So was Monday as great a day for Canada as being told? Because when you dig into the political spin behind this new trade deal, I can't remember the name of, uh, what did we get? We got we definitely got short-term stability, which is a win, no question. We can rest easy for a little while. But when you dig into the details of this deal and we start to get some clarity of what we've entered into with Donald Trump of the United States, it would appear from the experts that U.S. got way more control over Canada's future growth. And while it may be fair, I think, to say that the prime minister had little choice in negotiations, maybe he could have done it faster, earlier, whatever, I'm not sure we should be fooled into thinking that Canada somehow is the big winner here because we are not. And the reality is one of the big major concessions and something you're going to start to hear a lot more about is something called Clause 32. And it's a little change, but a big change, because what it does is moving forward, if Canada wants to do business with a party that isn't approved by the United States, like China, well, we need their permission. So I'm not sure how we diversify our trade or grow any independence if that is what we have to do. So let's ask. Peter Clark is president of Gray Clark She and Associates. He's also one of Canada's most active international trade practitioners. He started looking through the numbers and he joins me now. Peter, we're hearing, um, you know, how great a day Monday was for Canada when it comes to this new trade deal. But there are a lot of little, I guess, clauses and bits that are popping up. What concerns you? Oh. Well, uh, I've uh, I've spoken about the provision which allows the uh, the United States to sort of uh, play nanny with us if we want to negotiate with China and then tell us that uh, they'll cancel the agreement if we they this agreement if they don't agree with what we're doing with China. In other words, clause thirty-two. So yes. a lot of people have said this little tiny clause is costing us our sovereignty. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, there's more. It's also costing our uh, sovereignty the way they want to deal with us uh, on establishing classes of, of milk under the dairy programs. Okay. They have the right to. They have to be notified of that. They're telling us to cancel some of them, and in others, when we set up others, we, they've given us a formula, which begins with the U.S. Department of Agriculture price. So uh, I haven't gone through. Everything in the ten inches of stuff here uh, in detail yet. I, I, haven't, I haven't really looked at the uh, the differences in rules of origin, and haven't looked at the tariff items. But uh, you know, my position on the agreement is it's the best that the government could get, and I don't think that it, there's much use in spending time uh, carping and criticizing them for for what they did. The United States had a a very good position, had a lot of leverage. Uh, they threatened to uh, uh, put tariffs on our automobile exports, and uh, which I've written would uh, devastate the Golden Triangle. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't, I can't backpedal on that. Yeah, I mean, we do have the stability, but I think there's some concern that moving forward, will Canada's growth uh, be stifled? Um, You know, we've talked a lot about diversifying trade so that we don't find ourselves in this position again with one, you know, giant kind of holding uh, control. And so does this clause or some of the parts of this deal, does it give America control as to how our growth in the future will occur? Well, it does in the uh, in the second largest market, which would soon may, may soon become the largest market in the world. 
You're talking about China. About China, yeah. Right. China's important. Yes, of course. And if so we can never learn how to talk to them properly. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah. So if we wanted, under this agreement now, to go and do a trade deal with China, uh, we wouldn't be allowed to do that deal, correct? Uh, not necessarily, yeah, because the this agreement doesn't come into effect until uh, January the 1st, 2020, at the earliest. Mm-hmm. So there, we could conceivably start before then uh, and see how far we can get. I think that, uh, you know, while we might be sensitive to American concerns, I don't think America would be sensitive to our concerns if they were negotiating with China. Right. You know, it's... it's um, there's a lot of exclusionism, and it's usually the United States that's being excluded. Okay. So what happens then with TPP? I mean, does... does that's I mean, that's done. still... Okay, so is that signed and ratified and gone ahead? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Vietnam is one, one part of that, and in fact, that agreement was negotiated by the United States. Right, and that's why we get to... <laughs> that, yeah. That's why they're happy. Yeah. Well, I don't, you know, Vietnam is different for them. They don't treat Vietnam the same way they treat China. Vietnam is a smaller uh, non-market economy. So what about, though, the tariffs that have been left on? What concern do you have to those? I think a lot of people believe that they'll simply go away. Is that your belief as well? Uh, uh, No, it wasn't. Uh, Because I knew that uh, the way that uh, Lighthizer operates that he would want to replace those with uh uh with quotas and the in fact the original report that Wilbur Ross prepared indicated that the level of imports in the United States had to decrease by a fixed amount somewhere around 25% in order to get their uh their capacity utilization back up to 80% which might in and justify might justify further uh, expansion by the U.S. steel industry. And so will those tariffs just kind of go away, or do you think that they're now a reality for Canadian steel? Well, I, I think that they will go away. I think that they're, you know, Lighthizer wanted to keep the discussions on, on that issue separate. Uh, he did get uh, a deal with Mexico where he was going to replace the... Uh, uh, the, the tariffs with uh, quantitative, you know, voluntary export restraints by by Mexico. The Mexican uh, steel industry did not react well and wasn't prepared to give to agree with going that way. The Canadian steel industry wouldn't go that way because what they've been doing on their quotas, they've done quotas with Korea mm-hmm. and they've done them with Brazil. Uh, in Korea, they rolled back the uh, level of uh, exports by 30%. In Brazil, um, for finished steel, rolled back exports by 30%. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't roll back raw, st- raw steel or uh, semi-fabricated steel because the United States doesn't have enough of that. They've invested in Brazil to produce slabs and billets and blooms, which will confuse everybody. Uh, but uh, so they don't have any reduction on those. So, so if Canada had to take a reduction of thirty uh, percent on its steel exports, that's uh, one and a half million tons, right? Which is worth at least one and a half billion dollars. 
So what happens anyway. that, okay, so is your feeling or is there a feeling that, um, you know, Trump will kind of keep those tariffs in just to uh, choke out the Canadian market on steel just a bit more? I mean, how do we ever get stability back in our in our country now as far as doing business when a lot of the U.S. businesses said, well, I can't, I can't compete here anymore, tariffs and then, you know, tax rates and all those kinds of things? Well, you know, the United, in the United States, the uh, steel users are also being hit with this 25% extra charge on everything that comes in basically from the world. And, uh, you know, it affects Canada, it affects, uh, you know, don't have, really doesn't affect Australia, but what does that matter? It's not a big supplier. Canada and Mexico are among the biggest suppliers of right. steel. So when you you put it on us, they've they've covered the uh, the marketplace. We're probably thirty uh, between us, close to thirty percent of U.S. steel imports. So what do we watch for? What is the big thing that people should watch for in this deal? Because a lot of people say, well, who cares about NAFTA? I just want to go home. I want to watch my TV show. Like, why should the average person then care about this? Uh, it affects everything. You know, it affects the price of the steel. Uh, affects the the cost of automobiles. Uh, even if we buy milk from uh, from the United States, it's not going to affect the price that people pay for the milk or the butter or the cheese, because if you look at contiguous cities, Canada, U.S., uh, the prices are roughly the same. It's the the prices are set by retailers and by processors. Right. Peter, yeah. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate right. it. You're welcome. Peter Clark joining us tonight. So a lot of people are saying, well, the Americans are very happy with this deal. So that is a good thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy too. If I was all in control of everything. You know, they're in control. It is a win for them. Here on Point on Global News Radio.